There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this week we're talking about some October optimism. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this is episode 466. This week again, I'm joined by Mark Kenyon. Now, I know, Mark, you just got home from hunting in the nation's capital, and you're going to have a lot of other content focused on that trip. But for right now, I just want to know what the buck movement was like. So give me an answer on a scale of 1 to 10 and a few details about that trip. Yeah, so my deer activity report comes from the Virginia side of the line. We were over on the Virginia uh, side of that region hunting in the suburbs. And, you know, on a 1 to 10 scale, I would give it a 5 probably. Um, We definitely were seeing deer movement. Uh, We even saw some buck movement earlier in the day in some spots. but it wasn't on fire. It was most of the movement was that last hour of daylight, first hour in the morning. And, um, you know, definitely not any kind of pre-rut stuff, just some, some very basic bed to feed kind of movement is basically what we saw. And in some areas in the suburbs, these deer move all day cause they, they bed right off the edges of the yards and then hop into a yard and eat some acorns. So there's some of that stuff, but in general, I'd say kind of average what you'd expect in October stuff. Uh, the big story as far as what these deer were doing, were eating acorns, eating white, ac- white oak acorns. That was everything revolved around that. So, that was the that was the trick to trying to find deer was finding a yard that had a white oak or a bunch of white oaks that was dropping acorns and you could just see these deer were just hammering them anywhere you found that you were finding some deer or deer sign so that was that was the story in northern virginia this this past week um that's uh i think that's all i'm going to say for now because i am going to record a full podcast about the story of the trip with all the details and how it ended and what happened and uh, i will tease it and say that it was probably the most 
not probably, it was absolutely the most unique hunt of my life and a, a wild experience in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. I like it. Looking forward to that other content. Now, I know when you were there, you weren't really blessed with great weather. Maybe it wasn't bad weather either, but you didn't have amazing weather. And that's something that in 2020 and 2019, most of the nation at some point in the first two weeks of October was blessed with like the perfect cold front. And we saw it both years, Mark, where there were a whole bunch of bucks that got killed during those stretches. And it looks like that's not going to happen at all in 2021. But we do have a small series of cold fronts happening across the country at different parts this week. Um, and that might be the best that we get this year for that cold front in the first half of October. Knowing that, Mark, and that these small cold fronts are happening, how would that change your mindset hunting in a state where you're getting that dip in temperature coming up? Yeah, you made a great point. I mean, this has been one of the more disappointing years I can remember as far as October weather. It's it's at least in the areas I've been looking at on the map and on the forecast and here in Michigan, very warm, above average temperatures consistently throughout all of late September and now all the way through mid-October. And the, the long-term forecast doesn't look terribly promising, but as you mentioned, there, there is a little bit of hope. Um, we've got a decent temperature drop coming up this week. Um, and, and in some places it's actually happening. It's going to depend on where you are in the country. Some people it's going to hit the day before this podcast comes out. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, when it came out, you might be experiencing it like right now. Um, for other people, there's another little drop coming in the weekend. So there's this like Tuesday, Wednesday drop and some rain that's pushing through across the middle of the country. And then another little drop on the weekend. So, you know, it's not like the 20 degree temperature drop from 60 to 40 that would just send it screaming and really get people super duper excited. But I think in some places you're seeing that 10, 12 degree dip in the, the highs for the day. And I would look at that as a sweetener as, and by that, I mean, it's not the kind of thing that's going to force me to change all my plans and, and like cancel basketball practice and cancel date night and say, I gotta be out there. This is like what, this is the October cold front. That's going to really kick things off and get them all on their feet. Uh, that sometimes you see, I think this is more of one of those deals where if you are zeroing in on a buck already in mid October, if you've been seeing a buck that's moving close close to daylight on trail camera or if you've been scouting your way in on some public land and you're getting in on that good sign and you're thinking man i just need the right conditions one day and i'm gonna make that final move and push in 100 yards closer to that bedding area um this might be that little bump that might help um a little bit cooler temperatures like after 80 degree day a 65 degree day and some light rain just might be enough to get that big boy to think, you know what, I'm going to move just a little bit earlier today. It's feeling good. It's not so hot and uncomfortable. So 15 minutes before dark, he's up on his feet feeding on acorns while the four previous days, maybe he was waiting till 15 minutes after dark. Um, so, so I look at it as just a little sweetener that might make things a little bit better. And if I've been waiting for that moment to give me a little edge, but everything else is lined up pretty well, this is that kind of thing. Uh, but to reiterate, this isn't the kind of deal that I throw away all caution and go crazy. I'm I'm still wanting a bunch of the other pieces of the pie in place before I do something really aggressive. Um, on the flip side, if you're just looking to have, you know, if you have time to go out to hunt, this should make for pretty decent days. I think these are good days to get out there, whether you're hunting private or public. Um, 
it's better than 80 degrees for two weeks straight. I'd rather have these little dips than nothing. So I think it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking at actually a little drop coming in uh, here this week that I wasn't planning on hunting this week uh, because I just have a week here between trips. But I might... I might slip out for an evening and just see see what's happening because you never know. You know, the mid-October lull, as we talked about last week, it's it's not so much a lull as it's a change. And I feel confident that I know how these deer change. And, and that little dip of temperature might just be enough to give me a, an opportunity. I will tell you one other thing is that I was I, I got home from D.C. last night and I was able to glass one of the spots I hunt just for a little bit. I did a little quick look out there and I did see deer moving, you know, half hour, I think it was like a half hour, 45 minutes before dark. And I saw a decent number of deer moving around already. And I did see one of the like maybe three year old, maybe older buck. He was actually running around chasing does. I, I, I don't think that's like a rut thing. I think that's just, um, you know, he's feeling a little frisky and was excitable. So I'm not reading into that, but it was, you know, he was, he was eager and bumping does around and, and looked good out there. So there's uh there's that he's a buck that I don't think I'm targeting this year. So that doesn't make me want to jump in there, but it was, it was nice to see. And Mark, what if the weatherman is wrong? What if this coming weekend, instead of like an 11 degree cold front, it's a 23 degree cold front. And we have this big drop in temperature, what are you going to do differently then? So in that case, it's, it's all right, this is really good. And it just seems like year after year, when we see that really big first cold front of October roll through where you get that 20, 20 degree plus drop, it just seems to, I don't know, rip off the bandaid or like release the seal on, on something. And you do get a special burst of movement. I've just seen it time and time again. So in that case, I would say, okay, I got to be out there. You, you don't want to miss that. I'm not saying that I would always go to the very best tree on the property. That's not the case. Everything else has to be lined up for that. But if there's that kind of temp swing, I'm not missing it. If there's any way around it, I'm not going to miss that. So that's that's the way I would look at the difference between like a 8, 9, 10 degree jump or drop and a like 19, 20, 22 degree drop. Um, that's That's my take. Well, for the sake of our listeners, I, I hope that happens. Uh, this week on the podcast, we are also joined by Casey Smith from The Element in South Dakota, then John Teeter from Whitetail Landscapes in New York, and then in Alabama, we talked to Parker McDonald from Southern Ground Hunting, and then we end with Todd Graff from bowhunting.com in Illinois. And the reading materials for this, Mark, that you can find in the description of this episode, which are going to be relevant to hunters right now, include How to Kill a Buck Hunting Rubs by Tony Peterson. Tony breaks down which rubs are relevant and which ones aren't, and how to kill a buck on them in October. And then we have the best food sources to deer hunt in October from Tony Hansen. Tony lists his three favorite food sources to focus on right now, most of which can be found across the country. And then we have how to kill a nocturnal buck from you, Mark Kenyon. Mark helps you scheme for what to do if a target buck is only showing up on trail camera outside of shooting light in October. And then the last one is how to kill a buck at midday in October by Tony Peterson. Tony shares his unique perspective on hunting whitetails in October when the sun is high. So you got it all covered there. If your bucks only move at night, there's ideas. If your That's buck's right. out there in the middle of the day, we got your ideas. Um, 
I'd love to be in the place where I could kill a midday October buck. That sounds like a nice spot. <laughs> it was uh, it was a fun article from Tony and uh, brought us some things that you maybe want to consider, especially if you're a traveling bow hunter. If, if you live in Pennsylvania or headed down to Ohio to hunt this weekend, or if you live in Alabama and you're going up to Nebraska to hunt, uh, those are the scenarios where Tony likes to take a swing and, and do some midday hunting and maybe kill a buck at... 10 30 a.m when most hunters are back in their tent sleeping by then yeah i like it did you get any general themes coming out of these conversations did, does anything stand out to you from these other people that that maybe was different than what i mentioned here or similar no um nothing nothing big i, I would say this is predictable uh, but it, it's something that's a theme maybe among all of the hunters that we talk to that at this point, the focus of their trail cameras has gone to sign making, specifically scrapes. And I would imagine, Mark, that your trail cameras have been there by now or are going to to make that shift very soon. Is that right? Yeah, you're spot on. I have I have some on scrapes already that I set in late summer, just kind of putting them there ahead of time, knowing that by the time we get to this period, that's where I'd want them to be. And I actually am considering today, since since I wasn't planning on hunting this week around my local places, and since I'm gone the following week, I was thinking today I might slip in and make that final move, move those cameras to the spots I really want them to be for mid to late October and in early November, and uh, and also get a little bit of intel because I have not gone to check any trail cameras since uh, since September, I guess, since the beginning of September. So I think it might be a good idea to do that since I've got a good two week window probably where I'm not, you know, depending on activity unless I, unless I change my mind with this front, there, there's a chance I might do that. And if that's the case, then maybe I won't do the camera thing. So it's a little bit up in the air, but yes, scrapes are where you want those cameras right now, especially if you can get a scrape that's back in the cover. Um, if there's a way you can do that without blowing the area up, uh, that's, that's always a, high odds location whether it be just for getting inventory or actually hunting this time of year i mean if if i'm hunting mid-october or late october a good heavy community scrape that's back in there close to a bedding area that's a that's a good spot to start so those kinds of places will be on my mind over the next couple of weeks for sure all right, Mark. Well, uh, like we said earlier, I hope the weatherman is wrong and, and we do get that cold front that we had the last two years. But in case that doesn't happen, I uh, expect you're going to have some good encounters anyway, because you know what these bucks are doing in mid-October. Fingers and, crossed, man. All right. I will talk to you next week. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us online next is Casey Smith from Element in South Dakota. Now, Casey, in South Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? So we spent the first week of the season, well, they, uh, I guess September 29th through October 8th in South Dakota. And I would say the buck activity is pretty high. Um, I mean, saw bucks every day, glassing and from saddles and uh on the ground as well so i'll give it a six out of ten i would imagine as far as you know just observation of bucks a lot of tags in your group were filled yours included were there any commonalities between the setups when those tags were filled on public land in south dakota for you guys yeah absolutely i'd say the big commonality was just uh hunting deer um in relation to food sources um it didn't really matter morning to evening i'd say in the mornings we had better activity because it was just we kind of were there on a hot streak uh, as far as weather goes you know it was getting up 
into the eighties almost every day. So the evenings you had just a really small window of, of deer movement, but in the mornings there really was quite a bit of time that, you know, deer were on their feet and, uh, deer were really relating to standing crops that were still around like corn, especially we had the intent of going up there and hunting deer around alfalfa. Cause we'd seen that pattern in the past and kind of adjusted because how much they were hitting corn. Um, and I think that, you know, really that was the thing. We found a few scrapes and of course there's some rubs already starting to pop up, but you know, really the tactic was to get between food and bedding. That part of the country has had a severe drought lately. Did water factor into your hunts at all? Um, it's definitely something we considered. Uh, and one of the interesting things that I did see that I don't see in other parts of the country, or at least I haven't observed, I'm sure it happens, but deer were relating to major water sources. You know, where we're from in Northeast Texas, a lot of times it's just little sloughs and ditches and things that they have around everywhere they can find water but there it was like you know they wanted to be near the big bodies of water to you know have a consistent water source it seemed but no direct hunting over water but it definitely was a thing where you didn't want to go somewhere where there was no water at all to be as successful as you guys were on that trip your in-season scouting had to be perfect so tell me about what you were looking for when you had boots on the ground or glassing from afar yeah, sure. So um, we really did our best. We, we went up there with a day uh, to, you know, spend the whole time scouting, driving around, looking for food sources, looking for cover, looking for pressure. Pressure actually kind of played a big role in this. I mean, pressure is relative, right? I mean, if you go to, say, one of the national forests here in Texas, there's going to be people everywhere. And you go to a rural place like South Dakota, there's not near as many people, but still the deer react to it in a relative fashion. So there were a couple other groups of hunters in the area that we were, and uh, it actually rained the first day we were there. And we were able to tell, you know, pretty much where people were driving recently. And we found that a lot of times the places where there were no truck tracks, you know, that were fresh since the rain, that's where, you know, activity would be high and those deer weren't bumped around. So that made a difference, you know, and uh, also just finding the hot food sources like corn, especially, and, uh, also alfalfa and clover I actually ended up killing my deer <laughs> funny enough i killed my deer over a natural food source it was uh the um sumac bushes around there's what they were really feeding on on their way to you know evening feed at the ag field so i set up on an area that had a bunch of that sumac and the deer got up out of his bed and just fed on that stuff and fed around until he meandered uh about 30 yards from me and i got to shoot him so it was pretty cool with the consideration that you were going to be there in early to mid-October, what were you looking for on aerial scouting ahead of time? Uh, crop fields. Uh, definitely paid attention to that. And then um, just uh, habitat pockets. You know, uh, you being from South Dakota, of course, I'm sure you understand. But uh, it's not like much of the eastern part of the country where habitat is just unlimited. You know, habitat is definitely the limiting um factor when it comes to places where whitetail especially live so if you can find a place that has you know a decent amount of cover um, especially with the hot streak in the drought you know possibly uh, we were even thinking about the north facing stuff kind of like what you think about with elk find you some good north facing slopes that have decent cover uh, you know on the aerial and and you can definitely at least have an idea of where deer might be spending their daytime hours how did morning movement vary from evening movement based on what you guys saw during the trip? Uh, I think definitely um, morning movement was more extended because that was the cool part of the day. You know, um, the way these early October days go in, in the uh, 
kind of the uh, Great Plains states is you end up with kind of some summer temperatures almost in the afternoon, but you still have cold nights. So when those linger into the mornings where, you know, you might have deer movement up, you know, 8.30 or 9 a.m., I think. Um, so I sat on day six and saw a mature buck go back to bed on one of those north-facing slopes at 9.14. And then you contrast that to the buck I shot you know, he was moving, he actually moved earlier than most deer in the evening, but he still, you know, I shot him at, um, 615, which is that hour and a half before the end of legal shooting line. And most of the time we were seeing deer after the sun went down in the evenings. So, you know, if you wanted an opportunity to catch deer on their feet and, um, not have to be so close into, you know, bedding stuff where you can bump them, uh, morning was the, the time to be, you know, sitting it out and, and waiting on deer to come by. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in South Dakota? It's going to be relevant to weather. I haven't looked at the weather outlook, of course, but uh, you know, if it continues with those hot temperatures, there's, it's probably going to stay pretty close to the same. And, you know, um, if they got, you know, some weather pushed through and dropped those temps 10 to 15 degrees compared to the recent averages, I bet you could see, you know, kind of an influx of, of movement, uh, especially towards scrapes and stuff as October pushes on. I do know this. While we were up there, I saw uh, good size bucks fighting, you know, and sparring and uh, kind of going through that um, time period where they're starting to split up and who used to be my friend is now my enemy kind of thing. You know, we were still seeing bucks in, in bachelor groups, but they were sparring and not just friendly sparring either. So I would imagine that you'll probably have some dispersion of deer you know, kind of deer kind of moving into their fall ranges. And uh, that could spell some good things for guys who maybe haven't been seeing quite as many bucks yet. All right, Casey, congrats to you and Tyler and everyone else in deer camp. Thanks for joining me and good luck with the rest of your season. Awesome, Spencer. Thanks, man. All right. And joining us on the line next is John Teeter in New York from Whitetail Landscapes. Now, John, in New York, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten? I'd say this past week, Spencer, we've seen uh, definitely an increase in activity. Um, I think that's going to decline, but currently I would say it's probably in the six range. Now, you just killed a slammer buck earlier this month in New York. Tell us about that setup, why you were in that spot, and why that buck was in that spot. Yeah, you know, a green food source isolated um, the kind of a, a major draw. A lot of variability in that food source kind of pulled that deer in. I hunted that deer on a rainy, stormy day, um, and and he had a lot of patterns uh, of interest in that food source on those conditions. Uh, I'm going to say the food source really was kind of a major draw there. Um, so I would say for everyone early season, focus on those food sources uh, that, that that helps get get you know attracts deer and, and pulls them right into uh, kind of a kill spot. John, as a property consultant, what are some things that land managers can do to a property? to make them hunt better for the month of October? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of options for individual landowners if you have the ability to manipulate. You know, for that particular deer that I had mentioned earlier, uh, I had went in and and manipulated a bedding area specifically to kill that deer. Um, What I did was I cut a lot of timber in there in August, uh, instant food source and drawing him uh, across basically from other properties um, to make him more resident. Uh, That that would be a, a good option. Focusing on native food sources, that's a, another uh, great example. Uh, when you cut timber, you're going to get a lot of native browse. So focusing on the native browse, 
and then really cultivating those areas with you can put planted food in bedding areas. Um, you know, don't forget to add, you know, a grain. Uh, a good example in, in the northern climates is, is winter rye. Uh, planting, you know, just before right around September, uh, that can be an excellent draw, uh, particularly if you have enough available sunlight in those, of those timbered areas. You mentioned native food sources. What are some natural food sources that guys should be looking to right now in the month of October in the Northeast? You know, it's all over the place. When I was set up uh, on that hunt uh, that I was telling you about earlier, you know, I, I, I have a lot of native browse in that area, a lot of four uh, food sources. But it was interesting. I actually saw a deer eating wild grape, um, not the grape leaves themselves, the actual grapes. Um, so that that was kind of an interesting, uh, any, any fruit, any available fruit, that includes blackberries, anything that's available at that time. Um, would would be a, a source of interest. Um, so soft mass is, is a real big focus at time time of year, especially early season. And is there anything you like to do to a property to make it easier for deer to communicate through scrapes and rubs, or is that not something you really consider when you're making land changes? Absolutely, I'm trying to create social hubs for these deer just to create a level of attraction for for them to kind of congregate. Uh, they're always in, there's always a packing order and there's social cues that, that I kind of, that I kind of focus in on. Um, I think the idea of introducing uh, scrape trees or scrape sticks, something along those lines uh, in either remote areas or in transition areas. Um, it's all about data collection. So watching those deer and the frequency of them, you know, approaching those areas and, and trying to get data of when and when and when not they move in those areas is, is pretty much critical. So I think social aspect right now, you're, you're going to start to see, uh, you know, this, this co-mingling of deer right now, you're, you're noticing bucks and does, uh, very segregated. You're also noticing the mature deer are starting to split up. Uh, sometimes they, they co-mingle and you'll start to see a lot of segregation over the next, uh, next couple of weeks. Where are you running a lot of your trail cameras right now? Uh, you know, I, 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 I run them in, in various locations. Um, you know, I, I, I have a tendency to have, you know, I guess perennial scrapes that, that I focus on all season long. Um, but a lot of it's just transitional movement, uh, you know, basically taking these areas that deer like to bed in, uh, and I'm usually focusing on wind-based bedding, but kind of sourcing them down or necking them down. And in those locations in transition to either a food source or another bedding area, that's where I'm getting my data. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in New York? I think it's going to drop uh, down to a four. Uh, we've got some warm temperatures coming in. Uh, the deer's ability to thermoregulate, they've got winter coats at this point, is is uh, is difficult. So I would recommend that individuals that are going after a deer think about that, uh, their ability to dissipate heat. They're going to be in low cool areas or high aris areas that have good canopy. Those are going to be the focus spots. I would say it's going to probably drop down to a four. All right, John, great information, great buck, and thanks for joining me. All right, thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. All right, and joining us on the line next is Parker McDonald from Southern Ground Hunting in Alabama. Now, Parker, in Alabama, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten? And I'd probably say it'd be as low as I've ever seen it, uh, maybe a two, uh, pretty close to that. It's, it's been pretty tough, man. And what would you attribute that two to? So in it, our early opener, uh, there's only a few places in the, in the state of Alabama right now that are, that's even open and it's been hot. So I think that the heat has a lot to do with it. Um, bucks are, 
getting to their beds as early as I mean it's dark like for example this morning I actually had one of the few encounters that I've had uh since our opener on October 1st I've had one of the few encounters with a buck that I've had and um I just I should have killed him probably but he he came in behind me and ended up winning me but that all happened I mean like like right at legal shooting light I mean right at the beginning of shooting light and he was headed right back to his bed on a point um and I think that that's kind of been what everybody has experienced right now we have so many acorns on the ground um in in years past you know I mean you have some years that the acorn crop is huge some years that it's not and in the big woods in the mountains uh, I have found that when you have a year that the acorn crop is not good, it typically can up your deer sightings a lot more because you can find those few areas. And right now there's just acorns everywhere. And so it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint where deer are going to be. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think most bucks have been just, they just stay laid up all day. Now I do know a few people who have had trail cameras out this last, uh, this last week. And they have noticed bucks getting up midday and going and feeding on, you know, the closest acorns that they have close to their bedding areas where, where their cameras are set up and stuff. And, uh, I think that has, you know, I'm not like a big, huge believer in all the moon phase stuff, but I have seen some evidence that could, It'd be tough to argue like uh like i'm seeing right now with some of my buddies who have trail cameras and they're getting these midday buck pictures um but you know i think i think it's going to continue to be like this probably i typically see it starting to really ramp up around uh mid-october to late october our rut in alabama is so crazy um you have some parts of the state that rut in november a few parts that rut in november uh, a lot of places rut in December and then a lot of the state ruts in January. And so, uh, it really just depends on what part of the state you're in on what phase you're going to be in of the rut. You know, there, there could be deer that are getting, you know, into that pre-rut phase right now in some parts of the state, but where I'm at there, they're definitely not even close. <laughs> I know you do a lot of water access hunts. How do your water access hunts vary in early season versus the rut or late season? So we started this, uh, the state of Alabama started this where they opened up a few counties two weeks early on October 1st. For years and years and years, it's been the openers for the whole state's been October 15th. But they opened up a few counties that you can actually go in and hunt on October 1st. And so um, all this time, nobody's really had the opportunity to hunt uh, things like persimmons until these last couple of years where we actually get a chance to hunt them before they're all gone. And so I've ended up, I killed a doe, uh, last Monday, a week, a week from right now. And, um, she was, they, there was like 10 deer. Uh, there was so many deer just piling out of the woods, coming straight into these persimmons. And what I find is a lot of that, uh, thing, pers- there's different types of uh, grasses that grow close to the water. Um, and then things like persimmons that I always find 
right on the edge of the water. And so for this early season, man, most of the time, if I'm just going out to try to see deer numbers, I'm going to just go and hunt somewhere close to the edge of the water. I mean, the, the deer I shot the other day literally died 50 yards away from my boat. And so, um, once we get further on into the season and, uh, bucks start getting on their feet a little bit, I'll kind of move out or I guess, I guess move deeper into the woods than I am right now. But for the most part right now for this early season, man, I'm, I'm sticking really close to the edge of the water because it seems to be where the deer want to be at. When you're doing some in-season scouting in mid-October in Alabama, what are some things that you're looking for? I am looking for like disturbances on the ground. So it's big woods style hunting that I'm doing. And so there's not like food plots or, you know, uh, crop fields or anything like that. It's all woods. And I am trying to put my boots on the ground as much as I can. Like I started this new thing. It's called new spot Monday. And I just try to, on Mondays, I try to go to a new spot and break that spot down throughout the rest of the week. If I find something good, if I find, if I don't find anything good, then I'll go back to some of the old faithful spots. But I've really tried to challenge myself to at the beginning of every week, go in to a new area and really look for, do a lot of this in-season scouting stuff. And, you know, on years like this year where we have so many acres on the ground, I'm just trying to find those areas that, uh, you know, vegetation transition lines meets a good terrain feature meets a hot feed tree. If I can find those type of things, then it may not produce anything right now, but it's going to give me a lot of, um, intel that I can use here in the next couple of weeks, whenever the buck activity does actually start to pick up. And so I, that's what I'm looking for, man. I'm looking for tracks on the beach close to where I put my kayak at to make sure that there's deer that are in the area. I've found that if you're using water access, um, you can get a good idea of the density of deer in an area by the tracks that are in that mud next to the beach that doesn't mean there's going to be daylight movement there it's usually not it's usually nighttime movement that's right there in the open areas along the water but it gives you an idea that there's a good amount of deer in there and so then what i do is i kind of push in if i find what i'm looking for on that beach i push in and try to find those hot feed trees that are uh producing right now going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in alabama well you know we have a lot of hunters here right now and it's putting a good amount of pressure. It really is putting a good amount of pressure on the deer. Um, Spencer, we've got, I just looked up the uh, harvest records for the state of Alabama right now, which like I said, it's only three counties, but there's only been 144 deer reported. Um, 41 of those have been bucks. 103 of those have been does. But he, out of that number, 50, 50 of those deer were does on public land and only nine bucks on public land. Um, and that's been, you know, a week and a half worth of, of hunting with tons of hunters in the woods. And so the buck activity obviously has been very, very low. And they don't give you any idea of what, you know, age class those bucks were or anything like that. Um, but the thing that I know is here in a couple of weeks, um, a lot of that pressure is going to start at least where I'm at 
a lot of that pressure is going to start to die down and people are going to go back to, you know, they've really been pushing it hard and grinding it hard and putting pressure on these areas. People have been using vacation days for the openers. And uh, once that pressure starts to subside a little bit, I think you're going to start seeing bucks be more comfortable moving around. And we've also got next week, uh, we've got a cold front coming through and a Southern cold front probably looks a whole lot more like a Northern uh, summer, but we've got like lows that are going to be in the lower uh, mid forties and highs, like in, in the seventies, which is sixties uh, and seventies, which is, pretty cool for what we typically get and so i think over this next week when we have that cold front you're going to start seeing a lot of bucks uh hitting the ground a lot more bucks hitting the ground um but like i said man i mean it really depends on where you're at in the state where i'm at i think uh over the next couple of weeks it's going to be a lot more um you're going to see bucks getting out of that core area just a little bit more not a lot more but uh, a little bit more. I think, I think that's going to be whenever it starts to really get good. Um, and then we've got a couple weeks from there until we start getting the pre-rut. Usually mid November, uh, is when the pre-rut starts where I hunt and then the rut in early December. And so it's just kind of a natural, uh, gradual progression from, from that first cold front, but I think it's going to be really good. All right, Parker, thanks for the great Intel and good luck with the rest of your season. All right, Spencer. I appreciate it, man. Joining us on the line next is Todd Graff from bowhunting.com in Illinois. Now, Todd, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, for this season, I'd have to go with a 3 for getting started. You know, for the most part, Spencer, what, what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing from the immediate group of people that I talk to is this, this general very high hot temperatures we're having and this drought that we're in seems to really have had this deer movement definitely uh less less than desirable for sure um that's basically what i've been hearing and what i've been seeing so far the season's been open for a few weeks at this point in illinois have there been any specific days or weekends that have stuck out to you so far well i mean you know it's funny because the other day i went out and pulled the camera and uh, i love running that video mode right and prior to pulling the camera i've had some conversations with some different people that I was shocked with the, with the size of the bucks that they killed. I mean, literally these four individuals that I talked to all had bucks that were deer that I would have shot for sure. And there was something magical about October the 6th. And, you know, I pulled this camera car, I was going through it and here I see these doe just running all over the field. And I see this one shooter buck that I would love to get a chance at. And he was grunting full tilt. Now I can't say I was paying attention to the weather forecast specifically on that day, or what it was about that day, but I'll tell you what, uh, clearly some people capitalized on that, on that day specifically, and I was not one of them. When we're encountering a stretch of warm weather like we have been in the Midwest, what are you doing differently when you're hunting in October in a state like Illinois? Well, I, I love my water holes, and, but I, I tell you, I, I think besides water holes, because we finally started getting rain here within the first week here in Illinois. So it kind of, kind of destroyed the water strategy a little bit, but, you know, sticking with the green fields. I mean, some of the hunts that I've been on this year, we've been focusing on some of the winter wheat and rye that's been coming up and some of the turnips, uh, just some of the green patches. 
another little you know thing that's been happening here in Illinois, the harvest has been so early that some of these farmers that have already picked the beans, you're seeing re-sprouts already coming off the bean pods. And uh, I'm getting a lot of deer activity hitting those little fresh green pods that are just coming up right now. So I, I think for that first week, you know, the, the key has been sticking with green. I was lucky enough to harvest the dough here a few days ago. Uh, a couple of my other friends shot does too, and all those does were harvested over basically deer heading to green plots or in green plots. What are you seeing for sign making right now? Most of the bucks that most of the trail cameras that I have set up on scrapes, almost all the bucks have been hitting those uh, after hours in the night. I'm just literally seeing the scrapes starting to be opened up. Not anything of getting completely excited over. That's for sure. You mentioned that you have some cams on. <clears throat> you mentioned that you have some trail cameras on scrapes right now. Where are you running a lot of your other trail cameras as we get into mid October? You know, I'm starting to shift some of those cameras because that, that's a big thing that I think people don't think about. But, you know, shifting those cameras is is super important, right? You know, now is when I like to start moving those cameras to some of the pinch points, some of those areas that I know that I'm hoping that those bucks are going to start traveling through. So some of those travel corridors, pinch points, um, that's where I'm going to be shifting those cameras to. But definitely we'll always be leaving cameras on scrapes. I mean, it's just a great way to get inventory of who's who's in the neighborhood at that specific time. So I, I really do. I usually don't move those off of the scrapes. Historically, when do you like to start doing some calling in Illinois? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, a lot of times I, I'll, I'll let the deer kind of decide that for me. You, you know, you're you watching the deer's behavior generally will dictate some of the moves that I make. Um, you know, there's no way in heck I'm going to start, you know, pulling out snort wheezes and getting real aggressive here this early. So I'm going to let the deer kind of tell me and watch what the deer are doing. When You'll start seeing some of those one and a half year old bucks start doing some little grunts here and there. And then as I begin to see that pick up, that's when I'll start getting more aggressive with calling. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Illinois? Well, in this particular case, I'm seeing a cold front coming in for this weekend. When I say cold front, it's not like something crazy, but definitely finally a shift in the weather. So I am, I am always an optimistic guy. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going with an eight primarily because of the fact that I think these deer have got a lot of pent up energy from the start of this current season. All right, Todd, good luck to you and everyone else from bowhunting.com and bowhunter die. Thanks for joining me and good luck with the rest of your season. Spencer, thanks so much for having us on. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to KC, John, Parker, and Todd for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. As a reminder, the reading materials for this week's episode can be found in the description of the podcast. You're going to learn things about like how to kill a buck hunting rubs, the best food sources to deer hunt in October, how to kill a nocturnal buck, and how to kill a buck at midday in October. I hope these small cold fronts find you well, and we'll talk to you next week. Until then, stay wired to hunt. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready 
not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 